Cusick. Not just a word, a movement, a mindset, and a podcast. Welcome to Fusick. All right, welcome everybody. We are back on the Fusick podcast this week. We have a our first ever return guest. Um, I am Craig Miller, your co-host with the one and only, obviously, Mr. TJ McGinnis. What's up, TJ? Hey, buddy. How you doing? It's been a, it's been a minute. I, doing outstanding, man. Doing outstanding. I know we have not been as frequent on the calls lately, but we are going to get them back rolling and uh, just excited to have our, our guest on. It's a unique guy, one of a kind, but also known as the best impersonator of anybody that I've ever met, Mr. Chris Menard. Menardo. Yes, sir. How you doing, buddy? Man, I am doing great, guys. Appreciate you guys having me on again. Uh, glad to know I didn't uh, say anything on the first one that shut you guys down forever. So good to know that we're still still running this thing. What is the? We are too, considering you were yeah. you were on the first one. That is a good. That's a good. Yeah. Thing. What is the good word, Minardo? What is the good word in Louisiana? Uh, I mean, well, you know, there's a lot of words in Louisiana that that uh, most folks outside of Louisiana might not understand, but. Um, but other than that, everything is good, man. Family's great. Life is great. Um, just really getting getting acclimated to, to sweating every every single day of my life again. Um, I uh, have a I have a I feel like I had a good repertoire of, of shirts and, and, and suits, but man, it's really crazy. I've like frequented the dry cleaner more now than ever because uh, you know it's it's like you just burn through shirts because it's so hot. But hey, it's Louisiana. It's what it's about. You know, I was actually talking about that the other day, Menard, how I used, in Florida and Alabama, I used to always wear an undershirt under my dress shirt. And, mm-hmm. and now up here, I never wear one because you don't ever sweat. So there's no point in wearing one. So you don't so, wear a shirt at all? No, no, I don't wear an undershirt. <laughs> oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Well, when yeah. it's cold out, you could wear an undershirt to an extra layer of warmth. That doesn't do anything. It's, no. it's, you got, I have like four jackets on. So. That's true. And, and you scarf. <laughs> Such a whip. I have not worn a scarf yet. I've stuck to my commitment. You know, never not been a scarf. There's a good friend of mine that that really rocks the uh, the old sweater vest. Um, so I would. He's uh, he's in Louisville, Kentucky. A guy I'm, I'm very fond of uh, named Jeff Harned, and and he just rocks that sweater yeah. vest. So you might you might you yep. might call him for some advice on that. Mm, I'd probably call Gus. <laughs> Gus the sweater vest. Well, we we all are together next weekend. We are. The famous Miller wedding. Yeah, man, it's going to be exciting. We uh, we get Hayes tomorrow and, and have him for the the week and then the rest of June. And um, it's excited to see the family and friends. Haven't nice. seen a lot of people in a long time, so yep. just just pumped to get everybody together and, and enjoy a good few days and and beautiful and my you know Katie and I's favorite part of the world at Lake Martin, Alabama, and just. You know, we we love it there, and I'm just excited to show y'all, and we're we're pumped. So well, thank y'all I've, for being there. It means a lot. I've heard some things Absolutely. about Lake Martin, Miller, uh, mm-hmm. and actually a, a couple guys that I know went to Auburn, and yeah. they were saying that Lake Martin actually is is quite beautiful. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I hold lakes to a high standard, being from Maine. I do believe Maine has some beautiful lakes. So yep. I'm pumped to see Alabama. Alabama Lake would be on the water, man. So I'm looking forward to it. See, the difference and, between Alabama Lake and a main lake is we can get in the water. Yeah, most of the year. That's yeah, the only that's, difference. But that's true. Well, and 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 no gators and snakes, but that's okay. 
Yep. There's no, so there is no gators in here. There's really? no, there's not any any gators in the water at all. Oh, wow. uh, I think the water's too clear or something. But they there's not a single gator. No one's ever been bit by a gator or a snake in Lake Martin. So nice. Go. You might see a couple of snakes, but they're not going to bother you. Yeah. Fantastic. Yep, you'll be good to go. All right. Well, let's get to it. Yeah, man. So, so Mr. Menard, you've had a little bit of a transition um, since the last time we talked about a year ago. Talk to us about that transition, maybe some of the struggles that you're facing with that, how you're overcoming it, and also the vision that you see moving forward for your new team. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I um, I guess last year, uh, towards the end of the year, um, uh, you guys all, all know, know very well about this because you've all gone through transition as well, and obviously we were talking quite heavily through this whole thing, but uh, I uh, – was was lucky enough to have the role of territory sales manager for Colonial Life in the state of Kentucky, and uh, you know I, I remember the feeling of moving to Kentucky, feeling kind of kind of isolated, and man, you know we're giving up on friendships and you know kind of a life that we had built in Louisiana uh, to move to Kentucky, and I got to say, man, it was one of the most wonderful experiences of my life. Um, I'm so glad we did it. Um, my wife and I truly met some some remarkable people, both coworkers, colleagues, and just friends that we, you know, friends and neighbors, people that we just did life together with. And, um, you know, but it, it's not home. And, and while we made it home for, for us, and it was home for at least one of our children was born there, um, we, uh, we had a strong desire to, to at some point move back to, uh, to Louisiana. Um, I think if you'd asked me, like, right at the start of my career with Colonial Life, what was your dream job? I would have said, you know, being a territory, you know, state sales manager for Colonial Life in Louisiana. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's some something healthy to the whole process of going and growing. Um, and, and so, you know, I kind of embrace that and, and really, you know, I guess I'm forever thankful to the people of Kentucky for, um, you know, allowing me to be their leader for that period of time. But, um, you know, having four kids and, and a family and, and strong family connections, um, I guess kind of part of growing up in the South is is doing life as a family, being close to, to family members. Um, that, that was something that was always kind of a pull for us, you know, just coming in on holidays and seeing family once or twice a year um, was really, you know, kind of left us maybe wanting a little bit more and uh, kind of seeing that our kids were at an age where, you know, they're starting to realize time and distance um, was, was really one of those things that, that we had to kind of fight through. Um, used to our kids, we could tell them we were going to be in the car for a three-hour trip, and they didn't know the difference between three hours and 13 hours. So, um, but, you know, having kids that are getting older, you know, they start realizing all the things that grandparents and family and friends aren't a part of. And uh, so, you know, I, I think, number one, I, I guess in, in ranking my priorities in life, you know, my family certainly is up there um, as you know one of the most important things in my life. And so, you know, I, I saw this as an opportunity to move back to Louisiana uh, after four years in Kentucky, move back to Louisiana, doing the job that, you know, I really love and doing the job that I dreamed of doing one day, um, getting that opportunity. And I saw it as a wonderful way to get back and, and, uh, I guess, get back and give back. Um, you know, the Louisiana Territory, obviously, there's people here that are near and dear to my heart that were there for me when I started my career with Colonial Life and um, and, and to be back with some of these folks and working with them and, 
you know, being in support of their success has really just been been remarkable. So, uh, so yeah, we made the the journey back uh, to to Louisiana back in, um, I guess, a few days right before Christmas officially. Um, but uh, of course, you know, I did a little bit of back and forth throughout the month of December and, and into January, and then um, you know made the transition with with Mr. Don Johnston up there in, in Kentucky, and he's doing a phenomenal job. But uh, but yeah, we're back, and and man, it's it's just been fun. Been a lot of a lot of new things, and you know, a lot of things that feel very familiar, but a lot of things that feel very new as well. So just having a great time. That's awesome, man, and it's important to. To make sure, and we, we talk about this all the time in our podcast, Craig, uh, having your priorities in order. Uh, and, and you are one Menard who I will say who definitely holds to that standard of having your priorities in order. So uh, you're a good man, my friend. What, what have been some adjustments that you've, you've had to make uh, from a, going from Kentucky to Louisiana, you know, from a, from a marketing standpoint, from just going out prospecting from sales to uh, to recruiting to bring on teams you know has there been any adjustments that have been made um, there has been some adjustments you know obviously that comes with the territory of, of taking over something new and and um, you know trying to change culture um, you know I think that's what if, if you ask people that are from Louisiana that maybe have spent time in Louisiana one of the things that they'll say is, man, the culture there is just so different and so great and all these things. So I know that, you know, being in a state that prides itself on having strong culture, uh, I knew that my job was to make sure that, you know, that at, at least at Colonial Life and the things that we were doing all had that same thought process in mind of making sure that our culture is one where, you know, we're recruiting people into an opportunity they truly see it for an opportunity, not just a, you know, not, not that they're not just a number. Uh, we, yeah. we had to change a lot of things about how we train and coach and teach um, the things that we were, you know, holding to be true and, and things that we were going to be doing to set up, you know, our future, future growth and success. So, um, I mean, I guess it was met with a lot of things that I personally was already sort of in motion doing in Kentucky um, so, so it, it was, I guess, easy in that sense to come into Louisiana and just know that I need to continue to do the same things that I had been doing for the last few years in Kentucky. And, 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 you know, being that when I took over in Kentucky, it was a lot of the same things going on. Um, it felt very familiar. Um, and even more so that it was a state that I'm familiar with some of the people and some of the players. So it really wasn't this whole, you know, go around and try to get to know one another it was having a little bit of a familiar feeling with the, the who's who of, of the territory, but also realizing that the same things that, that really we implemented in, in Kentucky and the same things you guys have all coached and helped me with as far as development um, were the same things that I needed to do here. And so, um, you know, not to say that it was all, all easy, um, it just it felt familiar and it was something that I was, I guess, sort of already in motion with doing. But, you know, I think we, we talked a lot. Uh, there's some things that, you know, again, were very challenging and very uncomfortable and, um, you know, which I, I'm sure we'll get into. But, uh, but yeah, um, but overall, that's been the big difference between coming from Kentucky to here. Um, it, it has been relatively easy because it's not been, you know, a change of direction or a change of um, work or a change of scope of work. It's, it's really more along the same lines of what I – 
was already sort of in motion doing it's just been more so getting buy-in getting belief um believing in the people that are around me believing in the core team the you know my recruiter malia my, my uh, instructor janet um i've got a phenomenal tea named kelly she's she's just absolutely incredible um it's just really getting in, in sync with those guys all getting on the same page and just kind of moving forward with with a level of of um i guess in syncness uh, to, to get things done so isn't that so important I mean, I, I never knew. I know when I came from the field to being a, a territory manager, I did not realize how important it was to for that territory core team to be a family. When oh, your leadership is, is on the same page, when your leadership is a family and, and all bought into the end goal, and it, it's a constant communication. It's a constant reminder. It's a constant thing to do. I mean, that was – Probably, I feel like in Central Florida, one of our biggest assets was how strong our, our core team was. And, you know, and, and when we brought somebody in, they were getting the same exact message from every single person on the core team. And, you yep. know, and, and I think as a DGA and as an ADM, that's important, too. And, you know, for any of the territory managers that are happen to be listening, I would just highly, highly encourage you to, you know, spend time with your core team outside of work. Spend time with your core team, getting to know them personally, getting to know their family, and and make that core team a true family. Because when when you're leading a, a large organization and and your team is looking at a united front, and everybody's on the same page, everybody's fired up for the end goal. They're going to follow the the attitude of that of that leadership mm-hmm. team. Yep. And, and I think that's so important that you put a factor on that. I know TJ does a great job with that as well. And and that's been a big you know. Uh, transition for for me into this new role was just making sure that the territory managers understood how important that was and that's a hard thing to do you know and sometimes it takes a little bit of a a hiccup you know there or maybe some struggles for you to realize how how important that is but it is so important to keep that in the forefront and, and just remind of that you know weekly yep it's very hard to build a territory when you have a weak core team or a missing link in the core team um and, you know, I always believe it's, it's the number one priority when you first get in there is to make sure that your core team's effective, working hard, and you guys are united front, like you just said. Just yeah. like as a DGA, it's very hard for a DGA to continue to grow if they don't have solid ADMs. You know, oh, you yeah. relate yep. that to any business. It's very hard yeah, to I mean, run a business. I mean, even ASR with a coordinator. Yes. yes. If ASR and coordinator yes. are fighting and not on the same page, you're not, the broker's going to see that. The accounts are going to yeah. see that. And, you know, it just yep. doesn't work. And yeah, I think it's a that's, constant yeah. meeting. The family aspect, Craig, that you and uh, Chris that you guys talked about is is important. But I also think, you know, we talk about these with Kathleen Jake's courageous conversations, um, where I know I've fought that at times, where I won't make comments or I won't say stuff because I don't want to hurt someone's feelings or I don't want to get put in an uncomfortable situation. Whereas um, if you are a family and you care about people, then you, you – We'll tell them how you, how they are doing, and and be yeah, honest. And with it's them. a trust factor, right? Yes. I mean, if yes. you if they tr- if you know that they trust you, TJ, like you know, and I know that you and I can say anything to each other, and it's not taken offensively. That we're not saying it; we're saying it because we care about the other person. Like yep. say with Menard, that we don't hold back. Like if we we just say exactly what it is, and that's why all of us all call each other all the time because we know. We have the trust that they're going to tell us the truth and not what we want to hear. Yep. And we may and not you know, want to hear what it. You got to get to. <laughs> we may not want to hear it at the time, but you know what? If you really, if you are self aware and, and you take a step back and you evaluate, you know, nine out of 10 times, 
I do believe, I want to be positive here, that people are saying, are trying to help you when they say something that's a uh, constructive, let's just call it constructive criticism. Yep. So, there was uh, a there, there was a little practice that, you know, back in, I guess, about a year and a half or so ago when I was still in Kentucky that um, myself and the core team um, got together and, and we practiced the art of giving constructive feedback in a way that it was like almost in a manner of like sometimes maybe brutally honest. And and for some reason, that was just like a, a huge moment that I can look back and say, you know, what was really like a cause for unity with the team? And it was like when we all decided to put our pride and our feelings aside and say, you know what, I need it. I'm not doing any good if I just continue to smile and say, hey, man, everything's great. I'm really the, the, the role of the leader is to provide feedback and coaching and, and you know, candid feedback. And, um, and and I think it was I would maybe if, if you know, if, any of those team members ever were asked, I, I would I would venture to say that they would say the same thing. Like we really came together when we decided that it was no longer okay to not give positive feedback or give feedback. We did to the same show. thing, man. So, exactly. So what did exercise. you guys do? So let's so talk good. about the exercise. What what what, what was the exercise? Because we good for did y'all. Listeners. We get in a circle. Did y'all get in a circle? We did. Like, almost like a kumbaya. Yeah, yeah we, we did. Too. <laughs> we, we were at, we were in the conference room at a at a round you know round table and yep. and, I, and I started. I said, guys. You know, I want to know how I'm doing. I want to know, you know, like things that I do that that annoy the heck out of you. I want to know things that I do that make you go, what in the heck is this guy doing? Make you scratch your head. You know, like I want to know the things like don't tell me how great you think I am or how nice of a guy. I want to know the things that I do that bother the heck out of you that make you go. Yep. This guy's an idiot. Right. And so and we and, and, and we did that. And, you know, I remember. I remember, you know, sharing something with with Don as uh, as as you know my instructor, and uh, and it was just like it, it was just like this wall was just broken at that point because you know he and I were kind of two two different personalities, and you know I'm I'm just like a fly fly at thirty thousand feet, and Don's a detail guy, and and you know there were certain things that I would do that really would confuse him and make him like scratch his head, like what is he thinking? He's saying all this stuff, but never really, you know, going the next step and illustrating or demonstrating how he wants this done. And the same thing for Trey, you know, there was, a, there was our, who was our recruiter at the time, you know, it was like, Hey, Trey, you know, it really bothers me when you do this. And, and, and it was just like this coming together. And it was like, everyone had to like trust one another that we were doing this out of love, not out of, you know, trying to tear anybody down. But, you know, the, the purpose of having it was just like this extremely vulnerable moment where all of your weaknesses were kind of put on display in front of you. But it was done f- from people that were that that truly loved you and want, wanted the best for you and your career. And uh, I, I would say yeah, you can't I, do it. You can't do it when you first get to a team. No, it doesn't work. Absolutely not. But I would say so that we, was a we defining did moment. A little bit diff- yeah, we did something just, a, just we changed one thing on that, which is basically the exact same thing was. We always had our core team meetings around the conference table in my office. That day, we got everybody. We we eliminated the conference table and literally just put everybody in a circle, close, right where it wasn't where you couldn't shout, right to where it was close, where everybody could almost touch if they leaned forward. And we had to talk, and you weren't allowed. It was like thirty minutes to an hour, and you weren't allowed to say anything positive about anybody. It was just this is what I see. This is what I see. You know, this is this is the feedback I would give you on this situation. You know, this is where I see you starting to struggle. And we just went back and forth. And then we followed it up with, 
you know, our, our weekly reading of Leaders Eat Last of Simon Sinek, right? And then we ended it on a positive thing. So we came out of the meeting on a high positive note, but it gave everybody kind of a reality check of, okay, even though we're succeeding, even though we're seeing progress, there are things that I can still do better. And it developed that trust on the team that we could say that to each other and, and get it off of our chest to where it wasn't building up for so long. And then we never had to have the issue of it building up any longer because people were able to come out in those core team meetings and say that to each other. And then, you know, one thing I, I stole from Mark Luther was I, I never said it like this. We would always say, you know, to the outside front, to our team, we always need to look like a united front. Everything needs to be cordial and everything needs to be great, right? So one thing we always said was if anybody asks, anybody ever, it's always 75 and sunny, right? If anybody outside of your score team asks, it's 75 and sunny, you know, everything's great. No one's talking about each other because that was a big issue, not with our team, but we saw, you know, that I've seen with other teams is, you know, people weren't getting along. There was conversations going on over here, complaining going over here, you know, and two people would run off and have this conversation. You can't have that, you know, and you've got to have that united front to where if anybody asks outside of your team, whether it's a territory core team, a DGA team, whatever it is, you know, it's 75 and sunny, you know, it's great here. But you've got to have the trust and the ability to have those courageous conversations on your core team in that closed door setting. And you got to do that frequently. And you got to do that, you know, every I mean, we did it every week for the most part. Um, obviously, there were some weeks we missed and, and we should have done it more. Um, but it's so important to continue to do that as a team. Yeah, there, there's a uh, excellent podcast that I listened to. It was a it was a TED work life podcast. And it talks about working with people you don't like. And it was all centered around what you both were just talking about, which is it, which is, which is excellent. And and a big misconception is to, uh, to to get vulnerability, you must trust the person first, which which is that is important. But what this guy is stating, and and what science says from from you know reading people, is that to get to trust somebody, to really truly trust somebody, one must show vulnerability. Yeah, and if you show vulnerability, that that knocks down the walls, which creates more trust. So what you guys are doing is going around and 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 talking about first going about talking about yourself and asking them for feedback on things. That's knocking the walls down instead of us just going in and saying, "Hey, Craig, you do this wrong, this wrong, this wrong," or "I don't like when you do this." Lead lead by example and have them come after you first, so you that wall goes down, and now they feel comfortable with when you're going to talk to them about things. So that that's a uh, that's uh, that's fantastic. That's a great takeaway from this conversation. Yeah. Kind of segues into uh, your big uh, Minardo on embracing being uncomfortable. Yep. Uh, let's let's touch on that on the, these final few minutes on on why you embrace being uncomfortable and, and and what does that mean to you and what happens when you are comfortable? You know. You get a little anxiety going on. You know, <laughs> something else is coming. So what, yep. walk us through that. Yeah. Um, so I'll back up real, really quickly and just say on the on the vulnerability front, one of the one book that I would highly recommend um, folks reading, um, a lady by the name of Brene Brown uh, wrote a book. Um, um, it, it just it actually just left my head. Um, Daring Greatly. Um, so um, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Tremendous book. You guys should read it. So um, really talks about this idea of vulnerability, which maybe kind of is around this level of discomfort that we we're, we're kind of getting into. Um, I, I, I replay this 
kind of image in my head and I, I tell it to every new manager school and I tell it to every new agent orientation, um, you know, as we're always kind of wrapping up. Um, as a kid, I was, uh, I was kind of like a backyard daredevil. Um, I'd always do things that, that were like, were, were fun and, you know, adventurous and, you know, how I survived and lived to be 37 years old today is, is kind of, kind of great. Um, I'm on, uh, you know, I grew up in the country. So, so there wasn't like, you know, friends down the road where you can like go play, you know, Xbox. And, you know, I, I don't think I had a Nintendo till I was like well into my, my teens. So, um, we had to find stuff to do. And obviously that finding stuff to do was always somewhat dangerous. So we, um, I, I, re- I remember this vividly as a kid, um, I, I slept over at a friend's house and his grandparents had a, had a, an above ground pool in their yard. And, um, it was about 30, 34 degrees outside. And my friend dared me to go and, and run and jump in that pool. And I said, man, that's easy. You know? So, you know, 34 degrees, I run, I jump in the pool and I just remembered my body just like locking up, like what in the world am I, did I just do all the oxygen just completely left my lungs and, and, you know, it was just, it was freezing. So, um, you know, I remembered feeling that level of discomfort, like, wow, this is incredible. Um, and so uh, I, I had this vision that, you know, what discomfort and, and things look like when, when things start to feel uncomfortable for me, it, it, it's this idea that 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 it's it's the coldest day of the year and I'm being asked to jump into the deep end of the pool and not knowing how to swim. And 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 I think that you know, again, a lot of folks in our industry and a lot of folks in the world, a lot of folks just in life in general, we have this thought that like, I need to be comfortable. I need to, you know, I need to run the air conditioner at 70 degrees. I, I you know, I don't need to sit outside and sweat. Uh, you know, I, I need to drive the, the nice car with, you know, with, you know, heated seats and, you know, cooled seats. And like, we like comfort. We're, we're all, we all desire those things. But I guess what I've found is that you know, when I start to feel comfortable, I realize I'm probably not doing something that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not changing someone's life. I'm not helping them get where they want to go. Because what I've learned, I guess, in seeing this over and over and over again, and recruiting new leaders, recruiting new new folks into this business, even for myself, is that this is a this is an uncomfortable business. If we're going to do something that 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 yep. is great, then it's going to take us getting outside of a comfort zone. And so, I've just I can't stress that enough. Um, and, and what's crazy as I was talking to a guy this week, uh, we had our, um, our month of, of, uh, June new agent orientation. We brought in this new guy. His name's Jason. And, um, you know, I, I gave this exact talk to Jason and I said, you know, I, I just think things like if you want success, you have to do things that are going to make you uncomfortable. And, you know, I, he said back to me, he said, that's exactly what I'm looking for. He mm-hmm. said, I've, I've been comfortable but he said, but, yep. you know, I've been comfortable my whole life, my whole career working, you know, 50 to 60 hours a week, just sweating it out. And he said, and that's comfortable for me. He said, I need something that's going to completely rock me and, and, and be something completely different that I am actually looking for. So I think, I think, you know, this moving back has been uncomfortable for me um, because, again, it's, it's being in the position where I now have to have courageous conversations with people. It's, it's getting back in the groove with a core team that, that while we knew each other, we really never worked together on this level before. Uh, it's changing some of the things that had been going on that, you know, were, were longstanding traditions type of things in the territory. 
Um, but, but truly if, if I'm doing my job, then it's going to make me uncomfortable. I have to be the one that takes that phone call from the guy at, at 10 o'clock at night because, you know, he's struggling and mentally, you know, is, is, is challenged to make it to the next day. Or, you know, if I'm, if I'm truly doing my job as a leader, I, I have to be that person that's, you know, in the trenches with them going out and, and closing a case and getting a win. And, um, and, and, you know, all the things that we teach in the classroom, I have to fully embrace those things with these people and get uncomfortable with them and, and, and go show them how to win. So I think that's probably the, the biggest thing that I've had to embrace again. And, and it's really, it's felt so right for me, um, to, to be back in, 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 in terms of just embracing things that are, that are making me uncomfortable. And I, I don't know that I'll ever get to a place where, you know, going out on a first DM appointment, a decision maker appointment, I don't know, I don't know that I'll ever get to a place where I'm just like, you know, I don't have that gut check moment of nervousness, you know, where you're going, man, am I going to do this right? Is it going to go well? Am I going to win? And so I, I just think I, I've, I've, I don't know, I, maybe I'll get to a place where that, that feels comfortable. Um, but, but it always, it, there's always some level of gut check moment where, you're yeah. working in Keeps support fresh, of somebody. Man. Yep. And I think yep. you, there's just to recap because uh, of what you just said and just to illustrate a few more points. The biggest, one of the biggest mistakes or misses, I would say, blind spots as leaders is that 10 o'clock phone call that you just talked about. Where this guy tells you he's missing wanting to be uncomfortable and he's been comfortable all his life. That's easy to say I want to be uncomfortable than it is actually to be uncomfortable. So if you have someone who's who's not used to being uncomfortable, start being uncomfortable, and they're not making the money, the first thing they're going to want to do is run away from that and mm-hmm. go back to being comfortable. So it's our job as leaders to, to help them coach them through it and show vulnerability, say we've been there before, walk them through the steps, teach them to believe in themselves, and, and uh, that's, that's a recipe of, of solid success. So, Bernardo, you're, you're one of my favorites, buddy. I appreciate you guys. every time we talk, uh, and, and phenomenal. Miller, you have any yeah. final thoughts to add to that? Uh, it's just, I mean, we're so, our, we're so much alike in that category. I know TJ, we've talked about this too. I was talking about this with my fiance Katie the other day about when everything's going right is when I'm the most uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't, it just it doesn't seem like when things are challenging and stuff. That's when I thrive. I feel like, and that's when it you know goes. I have to get into a better. Like, you know, I think you know what I'm saying is, Bernard, like when you're, when things are challenged you and you're like, you feel alive, you feel like you're, you're, you're running with it when things are, you know, a little bit challenged or things aren't going completely smooth and because you kind of know the, it's going to get better and that's what you're excited about. So yep. I, I do the same thing. Um, I find myself sometimes even now getting a little more comfortable than, than I was nine months ago when I got here, obviously. And, and for the first time, I'm, sometimes I'm, I'm having to find something to do sometimes versus, you know, being mm-hmm. overly swamped. And that's a weird, weird, weird feeling for me. And, it, and I don't like it, <laughs> you know, and like, that's just something that that's just different. So yep. I get it completely, man. And it's such a great job. Again, obviously we'll, we'll have you on hopefully, you know, even before another year, but yeah, but you know, love you, man. Looking forward to seeing you one week from yesterday, actually. So see you guys in six days. Absolutely guys. Awesome. Always appreciate your guys mentorship too, man. Lots of great people that I owe a lot to. So, Awesome. Great. All right, everybody. Go check out Fusic.us. Check us out online, and uh, we will see everybody soon. Thanks. Signing off. Bye. Fusic, a podcast for everyone who said I couldn't.